Welcome to Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Onaway, Michigan. I'm Pastor Trent Wahlberg, and you're listening to Preaching and the Word. Our first reading for this second Sunday of Easter comes from Acts 5, verses 12 through 20. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, as that Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. But the high priests rose up, and all who were with them, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out, and said, Go, and stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of this life. Our second reading is from the Gospel of St. John, the 20th chapter. Verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Here ends the word. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Those were the days not long after Pentecost, after Jesus had risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit on his church, so that they went out, fulfilling the great commission of making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching everything Jesus had commanded them. Those were the days of miraculous and rapid growth in the church, 
the miracles of healing and conversion were common. Not only were multitudes of men and women being added to the company of believers daily, but also great wonders were done, so that people even carried their sick to the apostles on mats, so that Peter's shadow might even fall on some and heal them. Christians often look back at those days with a sort of longing. Those were the glory days. That's what the church should look like. Oh, how we would all love to see such manifestations of the Spirit. That we could heal the sick, maybe even do miraculous and supernatural cures for the common cold or cancer or whatever it is that ails us. But also that the church and your congregation would see numerical growth as it was back then. That would be the life. Wouldn't it be great if we could return to those days? Even if it were just to replicate what they were doing and have some kind of revival or growth in our own church today. If only we could do the things that they were doing and experience that kind of success, that would be the life. I think that's kind of the appeal of Pentecostalism and other sorts of charismatic movements within Christianity. It's the attempt to put lightning in a bottle and capture something impressive and powerful by fabricating a certain outward characteristic of what we read about in the Bible, and then claiming it's biblical just because of numbers and wonders. When we look at the church today, what do we see? It doesn't seem a whole lot like the sometimes romanticized picture we get in the New Testament. Rather, in this life, we often see an untold number of splintered denominations and factions. We see many of the same challenges and opportunities in the church across denominations. We see an aging population and dwindling numbers, not enough children. We might notice financial hardships, hypocrisy, infighting, and corruption. The church today doesn't sound a lot like what's described in our first reading. But, heck, even the charismatic megachurches that boast large numbers and claim to do miracles are often the worst of the lot. The Kenneth Copelands, Benny Hinn's, and Joel Osteen's of the world are a den of vipers. They preach a false gospel that hurts the good name of Christians everywhere. There is a certain desire to witness such signs and wonders, to have the superstar-like reputation of the apostles and somehow return to the early church, or at least back to a time when it was booming and seemed to be flourishing more than it is now. But as different as things may seem on the outside, I really don't believe much has changed. We have the same message and the same mission, the same faith and the same hope. Although the world around us has changed, the word has not changed. The apostles were having great success spreading the gospel and making disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit, baptizing them into the body of Christ, but they also faced challenges of their own. They suffered much persecution, and were nearly all of them martyred. And it's these hardships that we read about. The high priest rose up with the party of the Sadducees and became jealous of the popularity and success that Christians were having, so they arrested the apostles and threw them in a public prison. But that did not stop them. It didn't change a thing. In the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and let them out. 
he told them, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Did you catch that? Go and stand in the temple, that's where they were before, and speak to the people what? He says, all the words of this life. What do you suppose is meant by this life? What does this refer to? What is the life he's talking about? Clearly, he's not talking about this life in the world. As we heard last week from 1 Corinthians 15:19, Paul wrote, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. No, he's talking about something different. The L in life here that the angel spoke of is capitalized. It's a proper noun, like a name. The Apostle John tells us what this life that the angel was talking about is. In 1 John 1, 1 1-2, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. Here he refers to life as a definite thing. The life. He insists that the life was made manifest. They saw it, heard it, and touched it with their hands. This life is not just life in the abstract or of this world sense, but life itself, the eternal life, which came down from heaven and was manifested in flesh and blood. This life spoken of by the angel is the life spoken of by the apostle John. This life is Jesus who said of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All of the words of this life does not refer to this life pointing down to earth, to the here and now, but to this life pointing to the cross, to Jesus. As Paul also wrote in Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. When the angel set the apostles free from prison, saying, go tell the people all the words of this life, He's telling them to go and tell the people all the words of Jesus, because that is where we find life. It's the same mission he sends us all on in the Great Commission to make disciples by baptizing and teaching. It's the reason the Bible was written, so that we could hear all the words of this life, who is Jesus. That's what John writes in their gospel reading for today. Jesus did did many other things that are not written in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. When the angel came to the apostles in prison and told them to go and proclaim all the words of this life, he was giving them the mission Jesus had given them himself when he said to them in that locked room, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This Jesus is the life. They were sent to proclaim and to testify about. This life is the life they had seen, 
heard and touched behind those locked doors when Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. See, it is I myself. Touch my hands and feet. Put your hand in my side. They had seen, touched, and heard the voice of he who had raised from the dead, the eternal life who came down from heaven. And so when we think about our own mission and how we do evangelism, and we often default to some preconceived notion of how we think the church should look, how it should sound and feel. We think we know what the mark of success is, but we don't really understand it. Because we live in this world, our attention is often focused on the things of this world. We act as if our life depends on various outcomes in the world, numerical growth and success, health and well-being, financial stability or happiness in our relationships and family lives, perhaps even miraculous signs and wonders. We form a picture in our heads of what life should look like, maybe even what we think the church or what America or our local community should be like. It should look like it did at the time of the apostles or the 1950s or whatever time period we have idealized. That was the life back then when it was like this or that. But no, that's not how it works. That would be to confuse this life with this life in Christ. Basically, not much has changed between then and now. We may not be in a literal prison cell as the apostles were. That day may come. But we are in a prison. Only the outward form of it has changed. We are enslaved to sin and death and many other things that hold us captive and lead our hearts to fear, false idols and other distractions and uh, false beliefs. But the risen Lord has come to save us. We hear his word and believe in him, though we have not seen him. He gives us his Holy Spirit and commands us to go tell the people all the words of this life, all the words of Jesus, who has set you free and gives you eternal life. We may not see the same kinds of signs and wonders that the apostles performed, but we experience God's blessings every day through answered prayer by receiving our daily bread with thanksgiving. Indeed, he does graciously give us all that we need to support this body and life in this world. But he also teaches us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He has given us his body and blood to touch, to see with our own eyes, to know that he is life, and he gives life abundantly. This is the word of life. This is the life. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support our ministry here at Holy Cross in Onaway, you can share this podcast and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to make a financial gift, please make checks payable to Holy Cross Lutheran Church and mail it to us at 3786 Glacier Road, Onaway, Michigan, that's G-L-A-S-I-E-R Road, Onway, Michigan, 49765. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>